0: Today, we're still, we're still in Ruth, and the song says, I was wretched and poor, and I squandered everything, and there was nothing left. And then Jesus comes and changes everything, and why in the world would the one who's wretched and poor and squandered get to be a child of the King? Because someone redeemed us someone redeemed us and so this morning we're going to talk about what is what does that look like and of course god sets everything up everything in the old testament the law everything pointed toward jesus and pointed toward what jesus was going to do and so everything always points towards what god is doing so turn your bibles this morning to ruth chapter two we were there the last sunday i was here but we're going to be right there at the end Naomi has seen the grain, and when she sees that, she, she sees that God has not forgotten her. That there is still, God is still working in her life. And she has this revelation that no matter how bad things look, and things look bad in her life, no matter how bad things are, God is still there, and, and there's still some hope. She sees this hope. And I know that sometimes in our lives we get to spots where we think everything looks bad, there's no hope, nothing's ever going to work out right. And I want you to know that when Dolores says things like that, I mean, think about that. You've lived someplace 80-some-odd 80, 80 years, in Dolores' case, 110. <laughs> you live here that long. You get, we get used to things being the way we like them, don't we? And we don't like things being shook up. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes things just don't go the way we plan, And you can either decide, I'm not going to be happy in this, or I'm going to be miserable in this, or we can say, okay, God, if this is what you have, then I'm going to go on with you. And, and as unfortunate as it is, that's where Sam and Dolores are. And I've watched them go through this. And it's, been, it's, it's not been easy. And there's been some times where you think, well, I, I just don't see any hope in this. But, but God works things out. And he's in control. And the truth of the matter is, none of this matters anyway. In the big scheme of, of eternity, this is, the Word says this is a... And it's gone. And so anything that we go through here is just going to be a vapor. And so as we go through this, I want you to see when, when Naomi sees this, all of a sudden she has hope in her life where it seems like there's no hope. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you're facing But I will tell you this you're not beyond hope this morning. Let's all stand in honor of God's word. We're going to be reading the second chapter of Ruth. Let's read this together. This is my Bible, the living word of God. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. This word is the truth. It never changes and can never be destroyed. Right now, my mind is alert, my heart is open. I'm about to receive a life-changing experience. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Now you all know the story. This is what the Jews would have been reading as we get into, as we're heading into Pentecost. Pentecost is next Sunday. This is what the disciples would have been reading because they're Jews. And it's the message that they would be having their mind and their heart as the Holy Spirit is getting ready to come and the church is being ready to be born. And it's the message of the gospel. This book of Ruth is the perfect picture of the message of the gospel that the church will be, will be preaching until now. We're still preaching this, and we'll preach it till the end of time. And she has everything has fallen apart. They've lost everything. Their husbands have all died. Naomi comes back. The more I read this, the more I see how big of an anchor on Naomi's neck Ruth is. Ruth is an anchor on her neck. She loves her, but she is, she's really holding her back. Even though she cares for her and brings her stuff. And I'm going to tell you, then this is a whole other sermon. I'm not going to preach it this morning. Sometimes the things that, they, that you think are holding you back are the things that are helping you the most. And this is where she thinks Ruth is an anchor around her neck. But yet Ruth goes out and, and brings her all this grain. She seizes all this grain... And this is what she says. We talked about this. Mother-in-law ask her, "Where did you glean today? Where did you work?" This is the first positive thing Naomi said in the whole book. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, "He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, and." There's thoughts here either way if she's talking about God or she's talking about Boaz. But for the first time in many, many years, Naomi sees some hope. Some hope that, that maybe the way things were are going to be restored. That this man, And then now listen to this. That man is your close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. She's excited about this. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls because someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. All of a sudden, in a life where there's no hope, There's no hope of being restored. There's no hope of anything ever being right. Naomi says, we have a kinsman's redeemer. There's some hope. There's some hope to get back what was lost. Let's pray. Father, this morning, you know all things. You know everything that is represented here this morning. And so, Father, today in Jesus' name, I pray that you would place the hope that Naomi had in the hearts of your people today because you bring back what is lost and i pray that you would speak today through your word and we ask these things in jesus name amen Naomi, for the first time sounds excited Uh, he is one of our kinsmen redeemers so what so what i mean how often have you ever used that statement in your life anybody anybody ever use that he's one of our kinsman redeemers have you ever used that in a sentence most people don't even know what a kinsman redeemer is (laughs) and most of the time in everyday life we would never use this language no one ever says you know what i could use here is a kinsman redeemer if i just had me a kinsman redeemer everything would be all right the thing that the only thing that i can kind of uh, equate it to is if you've ever played sports, have you ever played sports and, and would like to have a do-over? Like when you're a kid, you say, oh, no, no, we get, I get a do-over. Or, or or like in golf, in golf, we got several golfers here. A good Christian golfer, instead of calling out a milligan, not a milligan, what's a milligan? No one would call out, I need a milligan, nobody want a milligan. A mulligan, a mulligan. Instead of calling out a mulligan, you ought to call out a Boaz. Every time you hit it in the woods, you know people hit a golf ball and it goes in the woods. Christian people ought to say, "Boaz, I get a do-over. I get restored. I get." If you did that, people go, "What in the world are you talking about?" Started a wonderful conversation with them. Uh, It's a do-over. I get I get to be brought back to where I was. And if you've ever done anything in life where you failed or you've made a mistake, you would like to have anybody ever like to have a do-over? The rest of you are lying. I mean, everybody, if you ever live long enough, you're going to have, sometime you're going to have said the wrong thing. You're going to have made the wrong choice. You're, <coughs> you're going to have made the wrong decision. And if you live long enough, you're going to say, man, I wish I, should, I sure could use a kinsman redeemer. I sure could use someone to come and bring me back to where I was. And a kinsman redeemer is the one who brings back what was lost now kinsman redeemer had three jobs and we're going to talk about two of them we're not going to really talk a whole lot about one of them because it goes in we just don't have time the first one the first job that a kinsman redeemer had was that if you were in israel and you sold land and they were someone was in your family and they sold their land to someone else, the kinsman redeemer, if you, things got the, the word says that if your if your neighbor gets really poor and sells his land that the kinsman redeemers come and buy it back and let him have it. The second thing that a kinsman redeemer would do, if things if your if your neighbor becomes very poor and they sell themselves into slavery, you're to buy them back and restore them, to bring them back to the place where they were. The third thing that a kinsman redeemer would do was to avenge someone's death. Imagine if someone came and killed a family, rem- a family member of yours, the kinsman redeemer, and only the kinsman redeemer was allowed to bring about justice. I was reading a commentary about this, and, and, and uh, the commentator said that, that, the, that the idea of the kinsman redeemer being the uh, person who avenges was not so much to put the, the rule of justice in one person's hand, but to take the rule of justice out of everybody's hand. <coughs> that way you wouldn't have a whole family say, all right, we're going to go get this guy. If, if, if someone killed one of your relatives, the whole family wouldn't come together as a mob and go after him. It would be one man's job, and that would be the kinsman and redeemer. Can you imagine the pressure on the kinsman and redeemer? Because he would have to exact justice, and he would want to make sure. And so this is one of the jobs, and we're not going to talk so much about that one, but we're going to talk about the other two. The second one that we talked about was to buy back people who had been sold themselves into slavery. People would come on hard times and they would sell themselves as slaves. If you were a Jew, a Jew couldn't buy a Jew as a slave. I don't know if you knew that or not, but if you were a Jew, you couldn't buy another Jew to be your slave because God said that we're family. We don't buy our brothers and sisters and hold them in slavery. If we have a friend that is really poor, we help him so he doesn't have to be a slave. But if you did happen to sell yourself to someone outside the, the, the Jewish uh, people group, then, then it was the job of the kinsman and redeemer to go and to buy that person and to bring them back. You say, well, why would they want to do that? They would be out the money on that deal. That would be a bad deal for them. They should have known better than to sell themselves in the first place. Sometimes people make bad choices. The second thing would be to buy land back that had been sold now in the old testament the way that the the land deal was set up was that if if you had land that you couldn't sell your land if you were a jew you say well why do you you say that they had a they had a thing called the 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 year of jubilee and every 50 years if you had sold your land to someone you would get it back anybody want to buy a farm like that okay you want to buy a farm like that 50 years, well, you might, you might not live that long, you'd be all right. But, but 50 years from now, all of a sudden, the person you bought it from gets it back. They don't pay you for it, they just get it back. And so really, it re- they never did sell land, but they would sell it like a, it would be like a lease. So if you were 10 years from the year of Jubilee, you would really just sell what it was worth for 10 years, for using it for 10 years, and then you'd get it back. But, but the kinsman redeemer, if you got in a bad spot like that, the kinsman redeemer, if he wanted to, would come along and pay the price and get it back. And so this is where they were. And the, way God's, and the reason God set it up like that was he didn't want people to become con- consumed with just owning land. <coughs> Lindsay, will you go get me something to drink? He didn't want them he didn't want there to just to be a landowner's class. He wanted everybody to have some way to make a small living and he wanted it to be to where everyone would always have land, always have something to come back on. The 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 idea was not that for everyone to get rich, but for everyone to live comfortably and to have time to, to not only farm their land, but there would always be land in the family. And this is the way it was. And it would, be, and it would not be like, like they owned the land, but it was always to show that God was the owner and the person who was in charge of everything and that we were just the stewards and the caretakers, and this is where it was. So there's lots of lessons in all this. I'm, so, I'm sorry to do this. The first one is... If we talk about the, 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 the kinsman and redeemer is to avenge, then we have to, we have to realize that, that in, in, in the word, Jesus is our kinsman and redeemer. So in, if, if we're going to follow Jesus, then we have to allow him to bring justice in our life. Well, that's not the way we want to do it. We want to bring justice ourselves, don't we? But if we're going to live the way the Word says, the Word says that, that Jesus is going to bring our justice, so we have to allow Him to do that. The second thing that Jesus, the kinsman and Redeemer, does is He, he frees us from the slavery of sin. We've sold ourselves, and, and, and people say, oh no, sin is not slavery. I'm going to tell you, sin is the purest form of slavery that there is. If you give yourself over to sin, sin owns you. It makes you do whatever it wants you to do, and when we sell ourselves into sin, if we get into sin, then we have sold ourselves to to sin, and we are in the slavery. And Jesus takes it out of, takes us out of that. The thing I really want to talk about this, this this morning is getting back what was lost. I imagine that they had that Naomi had sold the farm or, or sold it in some sort of a lease, or that she was going to sell it. And this was in a funny position, because Naomi has no husband, and her daughter-in-laws have no husbands. So if someone comes and redeems the farm from Naomi, they could actually own this land. There's no heirs. Not heirs, but heirs. H-E, whatever it is, heirs. Heirs. H-E-I-R, I I think is what it is. If I'm wrong, then so be it. Wrong? Okay, whatever it is. Error. Anyway, there's no heirs. There's no family. And so, this is where she's at. But if she has a daughter-in-law, then if you bought the farm from Naomi you would automatically marry her daughter-in-law, and any son that you had would carry on her daughter-in-law's husband's inheritance. Ruth messes everything up. If it was just Naomi, Naomi could come in, a Redeemer would say, yeah, I'd love to have that place, because he knows that he's going to own it. There's no heirs left. But Ruth is there. And Ruth is messing this up. And so nobody wants this. And I think this is why that Naomi is so sad because she brings Ruth, and I think that she loves Ruth, but she knows if I bring Ruth, nobody's going to want this. Nobody wants to redeem this. Nobody wants to have a Moabitess as a wife. Nobody wants to, put their, put, to buy the property. Nobody wants to put their work into it, and then the heir be somebody who's dead. Nobody will want this. And it seems hopeless. And this is where she is. And she knows this. And and so you've seen this hopelessness hopelessness all the way through chapter two. And finally, she sees this grain and she has a glimmer of hope. And as she's asking about the grain, she says, Boaz gave me the grain. And Naomi says, You've never, she never mentions the kinsman's redeemer at all. <coughs> the reason is she has no hope. She never she doesn't think that anybody would want this. But all of a sudden she says, he's our Kinsman Redeemer. He can be a Kinsman Redeemer. And all of a sudden she has hope in the middle of this hopelessness. What is her hope? To get back what was lost. To get things back to the way they should be. Have you ever lost anything? Ever had something and lost it and think, I'm never getting that back, ever. I've lost that. It's never, I'm going to tell you, I, I got in a hard spot. When, when Cindy and I was first married, we had all these kids and they were terrible. They were terrible kids. And we got, I mean, we got in a hard, hard spot. I had a deer rifle that my grandpa gave me when I was 16 years old and we didn't have any money at all and I pawned that gun. I pawned it. Don't ever do that, but I did it. And I couldn't pay it off and I lost it. And I thought, I'm never going to get that. I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed. I'm never going to get that gun back. I mean, I was heartbroken over the deal. And one day I was in town at Ava and uh, I was I was at a gun shop. This this has been I, I'd lost it like two or three years. I hadn't had it for two or three years. Didn't know where it was. I walked in this sh- gun shop in Ava, and looked up on the gun shop, and I thought, man, that looks like my old deer rifle. And I every time I killed a deer, I'd just stick my knife in the in the stock and just put a little notch in it, just a little. And I pulled it off, and there was all my notches. It was mine. It was my. It was back. And I still didn't have any money. I still didn't have any money at all. But I called my nearest relative that I knew that did. Jean Linda. And I said, I've lost this gun. I pawned it off. I've lost it. I can't get it back. The only way I'm ever going to get it back is if you give me some money. And they said, go fly a kite. Now they said, how much you need? Cost more to get it back than what I got out of it. Who was losing on that deal? Gene and Linda lost on that deal. I got the gun. They got the bill. Do you know why they did that? Because they love me and they love my wife, their daughter. I could never get it back. I was never going to get it back. I didn't have the means to get it back. I didn't have a way to get it back. I had lost it. It was all my fault. It was all my fault. I lost it. I lost it. It was all my fault. And Jean and Linda could have said, you stupid, and would have been right. Why would you ever do that? Your grandpa gave... That was something that your grandpa gave you. That was something important to you. Why would you do that? You deserve to lose that, dummy. And they would have been right. They would have been right. They didn't say that that day. They said, "I'll, I'll get that back. I'll get you back what was lost. And I walked in there, and it sits in my gun cabinet today. And I will never do that again. I'll never do that again. They redeemed what was lost. They came in. It didn't cost me anything cost them 350 dollars didn't cost me anything they walked in and i got the gun and they got the bill and i'm gonna tell you that's the way this works that's the way a kinsman redeemer is and this is what was happening at this time and all of a sudden they have they have some hope and what should I have done the first, you know what I should have done the first time I was in trouble? Instead of going and selling my inheritance, I should have went to someone who could have helped me. See, that's the way God set up the family. The family was supposed to be that we all love each other. And when someone gets in a hard spot, we don't hold it over their heads. We come in and we try to help them out. If I would have went to Gene and Linda the first time, or if I have went to my mom and dad, they would have helped me. But I was too ashamed, and I did something foolish. And that's what happens to us sometimes. We get in a hard spot, sin gets us in a hard spot, and we do foolish things. And if we would just turn into the family, they would help us. There's no way that Gene and Linda would have turned their back on me because they were not that way. And that's the way God has set the church up to be, that we're supposed to come alongside each other and we're supposed to help each other when we get in the hard spots. That's the way He set the family up. But when the family would do dumb things... He said, I've set you up to where you can come in. There's someone who could come in and redeem you. And the kinsman redeemer could have said to Naomi, why would I pay to get your inheritance back? You lost it. It costs too much, and I get nothing out of it. You get all the benefits, and I get all the bill." That's the theme of the kinsman-redeemer. The kinsman gets all the bill, and the redeemed gets all the benefits. We get all the benefits. And Jesus gets the bill. And you know what the bill is? Death. We've sold ourselves into sin. We've sold ourselves into slavery. We've squandered away our inheritance. We have no hope. There's no hope for us. And yet Jesus says... What is the cost? And Satan says, the cost to get him back is death because that's the cost of sin. And Jesus said, I'll pay it. I'll pay it. Do you understand that? Jesus says, I'll pay it. Jesus could very easily and completely be justified in saying, that's what you get. You're the one who sinned. You're the one who, who, who messed everything up. You're the one who did this. But Jesus says, I'll redeem him. I'll redeem him. I'll go to the cross. I've got good news for you this morning. Naomi said, I have a kinsman's redeemer. Things are looking up. I got good news for you this morning. You still have a kinsman's redeemer, Jesus. He still has the ability to bring back what was lost, to bring back what you've lost in your life, to bring back what sin has taken away from you, to bring you back to the right relationship through Jesus Christ. That's the message of the church. This is where the disciples were right before the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus wanted to make sure that they knew and that they understood that that was the message. I died I've paid the price. You are redeemed. You can be brought back. What is lost can be brought back. He pays all the cost. Jesus goes to the cross and takes all of the sin. And if you're in the middle of the slavery of sin this morning... You can be bought back. You have been bought. You just have to accept it. You can get back what you've lost. If you're in sin this morning, if you're a slave to sin, sin that you think that you can't get rid of, you won't be able to. Naomi couldn't get back by herself. You can't get back to right by yourself. You have to have someone from the outside, the kinsman redeemer, that pays your price. Jesus pays the price for you. Jesus brings you back. Jesus brings back what was lost. You can get back what was lost. In Luke 19.10, this is, man, this is kinsman redeemer speech here. Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus, the most lost Jew that ever was. He turned his back on his people, he was taxing them, he was cheating them, he was stealing. He was the lowest of the low. And Jesus comes in and says, Zacchaeus, I can bring you back. I'm sure that Zacchaeus thought there's no way. He had sold his soul for riches. He had sold his soul, he turned his back on his people, his, his family would have disowned him. He had turned his back and he thought, I'll never get it back and Jesus comes in and says you can get it back today and this is what Jesus says Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus he says for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost came to seek and save he came to bring back what was lost and bring it back that's why Jesus came that's the only reason he came doesn't make any sense why would he do that He has all the cost, and we get all the benefits. Why would He do that? For the good of the family. Because He loves us. And for no other reason. It's a losing proposition. Jesus loses big time on this. But He said, I'll gladly lose for your good. For your good. What's your response to someone that says, I can bring back what was lost. I've always loved my folk, my mother-in-law, and and I even love Jean. What do you think my response was to that? I love them. That's not the only reason I love them. That's way, 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 way down on the scale. But my response to them will always be love. I hope. I hope that it is. When you have someone who can bring your sorry, sinful, slavery to sin life back to the right relationship with God, what is your response to that? Oh God, I give you this mess and I will live for you. That's the only response you have. I want us to stand this morning. I want the singers to come. Naomi was in this awful spot. All is lost. Nothing's going to be right. Nothing's ever going to be right. Nothing's ever going to be fixed. It's too far gone. And then she says, wait a minute, I have a kinsman redeemer. It never really dawned on me till now that that there would actually be someone who could bring us back to right. I just now noticed it. And Satan wants to keep you in this place where you can't see any hope today. His Word is spoken. His Spirit is here speaking. And you may be in this place where you think, all is lost. I can't get back what was lost. I've done too much. It's all gone. There's no hope. This morning you have a kinsman's redeemer. The price has already been paid. You've been bought. You've been redeemed. You just have to accept it. Repent. Repent. Of what you've done. Own up to it. That was was so dumb what I did. I hate what I did. I'm never going to do that again. Repent. Turn your back on that. And run to the kinsman redeemer. And just like Sam said. He makes us a child of the king. Why would he do that? Why didn't he just say, you're so dumb. You squandered everything. You get what you deserve. Because he loves us. I don't know why. He loves us. Gene and Linda could have turned their back on me that day and said, this is dumb. Jesus doesn't do that either. He says, I want to bring you back. I want to give you back what was lost. You can have that today if you need it, if you want it. If you need to come pray this morning, come and pray as we sing.